Hello and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. I'm Rowan Golfer, and today I'm going to be speaking about Open DNS. This will be a short episode, maybe 10 or 12 minutes, and I'm going to tell you what Open DNS is, what service that they provide, the history of the company, and I'm then going to give the reasons why I decided I wanted to use this service on my home and work networks and the steps I took to get it working the way I wanted. And finally, I'm going to make a suggestion as to how young entrepreneurial hackers can make some beer money by helping others implement this service. Okay, so on with the podcast. What's my unique podcasting technique today? I think it's very important that all podcasters have a unique technique. Dave Yates does it travelling at 75 miles an hour. Zope does it in just one ear. Ken Fallon does it. Walking through the park, breathlessly, with the loveliest Irish accent. Chad uh, Wallenberg does it on his guitar. So, you may ask, what has Rowan Golfer got up his sleeve? Well, all I could think of was to record this episode in the smallest room in the house, so to speak. So, I believe you are listening to the world's first podcast recorded on the lavatory. Ah... That's better. Okay, so on with the show. Open DNS. I'm going to assume that you all know how DNS lookup works. Zoke did a nice yellow pages analogy in HPR episode 91, if you need to refer back. But basically, you, if you look up www.website.org, the DNS lookup process just points your browser to whatever that is in the correct table, XXX xxx.xxx.xxx, etc. This DNS lookup service is normally provided by your internet service provider. And OpenDNS is an alternative provider of that service. Well, why do we need a different service? Well, here's the background to the company. OpenDNS was launched by David Ulevich in July 2006. So it's a baby of a company, really. He received venture capital funding from Minor Ventures, which in turn was founded by CNET co-founder Halsey Minor. Okay, so that's reassuring. At least uh, no mention of those Starbucks bastards. Eh, only kidding. I love uh, Starbucks. Is it worth switching to open DNS? The answer to that is a definite maybe. Some of the arguments against open DNS are privacy. Using OpenDNS means you are giving yet another company information about where you are going on the internet. Google know more about me than my wife, and my internet service provider already know more about me than Jehovah. So do I really want another company collecting data about me? Another objection to OpenDNS I've heard is, is it's not, as you could argue its name implies, open source or an open standards project. But what are the benefits of OpenDNS? Well, this company take DNS seriously. They host, they specialize in DNS lookup and they host their DNS database on powerful servers. And I suspect that this is one aspect of service provision that, that some ISPs probably put on older machines. So, in theory, at least your DNS lookup should be quicker and more reliable. So to use OpenDNS as your name, name server, you can point your computer or router 
to use 208.67.222.222 and the secondary 208.67.220.220. When you do that, it's probably worth making a note of what you're changing it from in case you ever wish to revert. And that's all there is to it. Once you've done, made those changes, you're using OpenDNS as your name server. Will you notice the difference? Frankly, I don't know. Um, I didn't. And I, I don't think this is a huge selling point. But here is where OpenDNS begins to act not only as a company but as a community and provide some services that I care about and which made it an attractive proposition to me. So listen up. Once you've set up an account, a free account, with OpenDNS and register yourself and your networks, you can extend the service and use it to monitor sites asked for, uh, sites visited, or even censor the sites which users of your network can access. You can block huge variety of sites, either specifically, so if you notice that there's one site which is getting a huge amount of hits on your network, and uh, it's a site which you want to you, you feel is getting out of control, you can just block it. Um, so you, that, that statistical feedback is quite useful. Really good graphical in, interface they have once you've logged into your account. But you can, you can also block sites by category. Um, commonly blacklisted categories are adult sites, of course, phishing sites, video sharing. And the Open DNS Community Act to block sites. They've got a new phishing site. They probably spring up every 20 seconds worldwide. I guess that's an absolute guess. But, um, you know, it, it quickly, you know, the advanced users of the OpenDNS name, name sharing, you know, if they spot one of these things, they'll, they'll, they'll log it. So it's not absolutely foolproof. And it's OpenDNS users who give them the feedback. There's one user who has actually personally blacklisted over 7,500 Sorry, 750,000 sites, three quarters of a million sites. So, I don't know what his, uh, I don't know what his mission is, but so, okay. Let let me let me pause here. Um, we're talking about censorship, and this is unsavory. I, I hate censorship in general. Blocking websites can be compared to book burning, restricting access to information. After all, isn't it? And uh, Surely that's something only the Chinese stoop to, isn't it? But I don't want to... This is not a podcast about censorship. That is a massive topic in itself. But briefly, I feel I need to justify the categories I've blocked on my networks and why I've done it. Well, at home here, there are some things I don't want my kids to see yet. If ever. Um, they could stumble across things accidentally. It's only a matter of time before my kids want to know about some subject. Perhaps, I, I don't know, they may want to look up the recipe for coke or um, type in Britney Spears I, I don't know and, and you, you head to Google stick that in a couple of links later and you may not you may be seeing things that you never in your wildest dreams imagined as a, as a seven or eight year old um, heck I, I mean I've, I've, I've seen some images of uh, you know, Britney Spears I used to find her quite delectable but I've seen some of her now that are burned onto my retinas forever and, and I don't appreciate them so I don't want that to happen to my kids 
Also, there are some uh, social sites at work that I, I prefer my staff visited on their own time rather than during office hours. But I've tried to block the bare minimum of sites, or bare minimum of categories, and hopefully have done so transparently. For instance, I customised the block page to explain that it was myself who'd blocked it and explain why X or Y.com isn't allowed. So, I hope that's clear. Two final things to mention before wrapping up. Firstly, um, the steps you need to take if you've got a dynamic IP and want your want that network to be to, you know, to use the advanced features of OpenDNS, you need to inform OpenDNS every time that IP, the external IP, changes. They offer client-side software for Windows and Mac to perform this for you. These programs run in a taskbar and check your IP at predetermined intervals. The default for that is every five minutes. Bearing in mind, when you try to check your external IP, that always involves a connection out to a third party somewhere. So every five minutes is, you know, in my opinion, overkill. But the Windows software seems okay once you've set that to something a little bit more sensible. For Linux-only users... Um, we have to notify IP changes manually, visiting the following link, https colon slash slash username colon password, change those as you will, so https colon slash slash username colon password at updates.opendns.com forward slash nic forward slash update. And, uh, you know, you could, of course, use a command line browser such as eLinks to visit that link um, as an hourly cron job. And then that will keep your network current. You know, the settings that you've got will um, always, always work. I, on, on my networks, I, I personally use a, a Python script. Um, I have it running on my Mythbox, which is on all the time, and, and that checks my external IP through um, the website whatismyip.com and only up, only perform the open DNS update if it finds a change. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes on hackerpublicradio.org to a copy of that script if anyone wants it. The, the advantages of, you, of that method is the error handling. Uh, it will simply and cleanly quit if the network is down, for instance, and I also use it just to log how my IP changes over time. It should be quite useful if anyone ever comes to me for huge BitTorrent allowances. I can say, hey, it's not me, that wasn't my... Exactly, you, you catch my drift. But finally, here's, here's an idea for budding young sysadmins out there. If you, uh, if you can get the word out about OpenDNS, I mean, I frequently listen to radio chat shows. We have a, In the UK here we have Radio 2. There is a lunchtime programme hosted by Jeremy Vine. You could probably even probably even download it on the net if you wish and they frequently whenever they talk about the internet it's, it's oh there's so much filth out there it's not safe, I don't know how you can let kids anywhere near it and, and oh my credit card, my, my identity got stolen etc etc and I'm there screaming will someone come on there and say open DNS can be set up and no matter how clueless you are that will give you an extra little bit of protection against these things if you're concerned about Nobody ever does, and I, I certainly uh, have, <laughs> haven't managed to get round to it yet.
Yeah, so so if you hear a, a chat show like that on a local radio show, or, or even advertise in the local papers, say open DNS, protect yourself on the internet, make yourself a little bit safer. If you if you're not technically able to do it, I'll come round and do it for you, um, and uh, it'll take you what ten minutes tops and what forty forty bucks US. I don't I don't know what you'd charge. I mean, certainly I I think you know, twenty five quid round here f- for that sort of service would probably you'd get a few takers. A bit of beer money. And uh, talking of money, should we mention Audible? Oh no, that's another that's another group of podcasts. Well, I, I hope this has been of some use to somebody. That's another Hacker Public Radio in the can. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.